long with me, so I'm not, uh, I'm not just alone in that way. So uh, if I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina. I have the opportunity to serve as the interim pastor here at Shady Re at um, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. Oh, Freudian slip there. Uh, so, uh, but it's good to see you all, and we're glad that you're here and worshiping with us and those of you who are joining us online. And so um, this past week, those of you who are friends with us on Facebook, I know many of you have asked already, uh, my vacation week didn't go necessarily as planned as basically I came down with the flu this week, and so I am about 65% probably, so please do not get offended if I don't hug you or anything. We could fist bump today, but I still love y'all, and uh, we're trooping through. I actually called Kevin Davis and told him, I'm like, hey, Kevin, you might have to pinch hit for me on Friday, and then Saturday he got sick. And so he got sick. My wife is currently on the road to recovery, so she's not here. We've had a number of staff members get sick. It's just going all around. So we're, we're, we're trooping through, but we'll press through today. So uh, I might not be my, my typical animated self today, thus the, the chair and the water and all, all that stuff. So, But we'll get into it. So I, just a couple things up at the forefront. Number one is that if you did not receive one of these Christmas devotionals from us this uh, last week, uh, this is a tradition that Jen and I do that DTS puts out this Christmas devotional every single year and it has been a tradition of ours as whatever church that I have been able to lead in ministry that we've given these away as a gift as our token of blessing to you as it's been a blessing to our family we want to give this to you as a blessing as well so if you have not received one of these yet from me then please make sure to see me at the end of service we'll give one per family and I should have ordered enough for everybody and we love to put this in your hand and by the way it starts today so if you have not actually opened it yet and noticed it, you can still do this tonight. It actually starts today and it goes through December 24th. And I'd love to be able to give that to you as a, uh, as a gift and just a way of blessing you and your family this Christmas season. As a way to keep Jesus in the center, right? We should keep him in the center of Christmas. Amen to that. Speaking of Christmas, transition. Uh, next week, can you believe it, it will be in December, and next week we are starting a Christmas series that's going to take us all the way through basically Christmas Sunday. Sunday is, Christmas falls on Sunday this, this year, and we're actually going to have church on Christmas Sunday. And we're going to be doing a series called Characters of Christmas. We're going to be looking at, think about a nativity scene and all the different characters you see in the nativity. We're going to talk about the various individuals that are involved in the Christmas story and their significance to the story. So we're going to talk about Mary, we're going to talk about Joseph, we're going to talk about Herod, we're going to talk about the wise men, and then obviously we're going to finish off by talking about the king himself and we're going to talk about Jesus. And so I'm looking forward to that, and that'll begin next week. All right. All that out the way, we are bringing our Riding the Wave series to a close. I hope that you guys have enjoyed our journey looking through this series where we've been looking at emotions, natural God-given emotions that he gives us, that we are able to see that we can either ride through those emotions or we can crash under the waves of them. And we have looked at various things, very important things. We have looked at so far fear, we looked at regret, we looked at depression, we looked at worry, and last week we looked at doubt. So just as a way of reminder, what is doubt when we talk about that? Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty. It is the lack of confidence that something may be true. And so we looked at doubt and what it kind of means and how doubt can be honestly a catalyst for faith if we're asking questions that are, uh, we're basically leaning and, and falling toward Jesus or it could be sometimes a catalyst for uh, unbelief. And so we saw this through the story of the spies in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. We saw this group of spies that was sent out to spy the promised land and two different reports came back. One came back with a very negative report that basically said, we can't take the land, there's giants in the land, there's so many different people, you know, 
even though God had promised them the lands. And then we see Joshua and Caleb come back and give a report and basically say, now nah, let's go in. Our God is with us. We're going to take the land. We saw those who see obstacles and we saw those who see opportunity. Our one true statement as a means of review was to act on our faith and not your doubts. So we act on our faith and not our doubts. So this morning we're going to finish off with a very poignant and important emotion. And I purposely left this one for the end because this is emotion that a lot of us feel, especially during this time and season. Some of you, it may have been very real for you this Thanksgiving when somebody wasn't at the table. And it was that first Thanksgiving away from that person who wasn't at the table. Uh, some of you, that's very real when Christmas comes around and you put up that tree and memories come to your mind, flooding your mind of that experience that you may have had with a parent or a grandparent. As you put up the tree and you did certain Christmas traditions together. This is a very important thing. Grief is a very important human emotion that we all experience. It's touch is, it's a part of the human saga. So when we talk about grief, let's start by defining it and then I want to you a, uh, I want to get to tell you a story. So grief is the natural response to loss. Grief doesn't just involve the loss of a physical person. It can, it, this loss can take many forms. So grief is the natural response to loss. It could be the loss of a job, that dream job that you had and you lost it and you grieve. There's a period of grief that goes on because what could have been or the enjoyment that you, satisfaction that you felt when you were in your lane, the way God wired you and you were, you were you just clicking along in that dream job. It could be the loss of a marriage, the loss of a pregnancy, the loss of a home, etc. And obviously the loss of a loved one. So I want to share with you a very real and personal story. So I want to go ahead and put that picture up, guys. So uh, this is a picture of my dad, and there's a good-looking, cute, big baby there uh, with him. So uh, this is a picture of my dad. His name was August Pina Jr., affectionately known as by those who loved him as either Augie or just Junior, we used to call him. My dad died when I was nine years old. This year celebrated 30 years since the passing of my dad. I still remember it like it was yesterday, how I found out that my dad had passed away. I was nine years old at Alfred J, uh, Alfred J. Gomes School in New Bedford, Massachusetts. I got called into the office of my guidance counselor, and as I walk into the office of my guidance counselor, my mom is there, and my mom's mom, my grandmother, are there, and they're crying. And I don't know why. So I get called in, and I was very close with this guidance counselor. I had some behavioral things and other things going on when I was young. And so this guidance counselor, she sits me down, and she tells me, she says, Adrian, I want to let you know that your father left home yesterday, and he's gone missing, and nobody knows where he is. So we're, I'm, so I'm trying to process that, obviously, as a nine-year-old, and I received this information. Uh, I didn't know necessarily what to make of that. My stepmom and my dad had a major fight, and as he, they had this major fight, he left the home in the middle, uh, in the evening, and he had been drinking, and he decided to take his boat out on the water. Now, when we left school that day, and went, we went to my other grandmother's house, my, mom, my dad's mom, and the families gathered around there, and there were several family members there. And I can't recall if it was that same day, this is the only piece I don't remember, I can't recall if it was that same day or the next day, but I was with the family all together and a news report came on the news. And this news report came on that there had been a body that had floated over and had been found in the water of the town that was next door to where we were. 
So off the coast of Fairhaven, Massachusetts, there had been a body that had washed up on shore. And so they bring the body in, and then you could probably tell where I'm going from this story, this body was later identified as my dad. So I found out that my dad had died, essentially, by a news broadcast. Now, I remember being at the viewing and being so overcome with grief, and I hate this funeral home still to this day, uh, because my family, I have now performed as a minister, I have performed actual funerals for my family in the very same room that my dad's body was in. So every time I go into that place, I immediately remember this nine-year-old boy sitting in a chair just broken. And so at Perry's funeral home, as soon as you walk in the door, you immediately hook left. It's the first room, still exactly looks the same, except they changed the paint color, okay? I can tell you that detailed of memories. And so I remember being nine years old, and they had this front room where, where chairs were set up in the front where the family would sit to be received, and everybody would come in and greet the family, and then the casket was there. And I could not even sit with the family. I was so broken that my mom had me in the back, just curdled me and just held me as I just wept and I broke uh, and just was feeling every sense of emotion as a nine-year-old boy loses his dad. What makes it even more crazy is that my dad was a functional alcoholic, but he was a good dad, one of the nicest people you would ever meet, was loved by many. And to this day, we really don't know the mystery of everything that happened that day. My dad was six foot two, and he died and he drowned in eight feet of water. The story is what happened is that he had this little boat with a little engine on it that the boat essentially flipped over and somehow it must have hit him in the head or something, kind of like in custom, and he ended up basically drowning. But here's the kicker to the story. There was a friend who was with him, and somehow his friend survived, but he didn't. My dad was a really good swimmer, and 6'2", drowns in eight feet of water. So there's a lot of mystery and unknown questions as to what really happened that night. And I could tell you right now that there are still moments, still times, 30-plus years later, that grief comes in waves. When I remember and I recall and I think about all the things I didn't get to experience with him. Here's my one true statement for you today, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit, is that grief exists because love exists. Grief exists because love exists. And I hope by the end of this, you'll see exactly why that's the case. You can't have one without the other. If you're going to have love and have the free choice to be able to love, then you will be able to know what it means to experience the loss of that love. Grief and love coexist with one another. So grief exists because love exists. We're going to be jumping around today this morning in a few different passages, so I'll try to kind of preview them for you. But basically, I want to give you three things about grief this morning and then give you some practical ways to walk through grief, okay? That's my goal. So to talk about, to unpack three different things and then give you some practical ways to walk through grief. Here's the first thing I want to say, is that grief is natural. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you want to follow along in your digital device, or if you have a sermon guide, you'll see it on there as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want to talk about how grief is natural. Ecclesiastes 3, starting at verse 1, it says this. There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time for grief, according to the writer of Ecclesiastes. 
according to the Colette is his name, all right? But many believe the writer is Solomon, and so I agree with that. So here are the words of Solomon, uh, what we consider to have been the wisest man, at least for a period of time, writing that there is a time for grief. It's very unrealistic for us to believe that we can walk through life without ever being touched and experiencing grief. If we think that we can walk through life without experiencing the pain of grief, that means that we really haven't loved well. If you love well, you'll experience, this, you'll experience the touch and the pain of grief. So I want to clear up a misconception right off the jump about grief, okay? Here's a principle for you, and I can't state this strongly enough, is that grief is not something you get over, it's something you go through. Grief is not something you get over, it is something that you go through. Now, I would further add to that that grief has no timetable. There is no all of a sudden, like a microwave, you hit one minute and then one minute ends and bing, the bell goes off and then all of a sudden grief just ends. We won't experience it anymore in relationship to that thing that was causing me grief. Grief has no timetable. There will always be that song. There will always be that tradition. There will always be that triggering event. There will always be that picture. There will always be whatever that thing is that brings up to the recesses from your mind these thoughts that are good thoughts, but then also tragic thoughts in the same time. Because as you think about those things, you think about loss, but you also think about the joy. You live those things in tension. And your mind just kind of accesses those sometimes when, are, when it's completely unexpected. I've done a good number of funerals at this point in my ministry. As I said, I've even done some with, for family members, which are very difficult. But that being said, I have come to know that Christians oftentimes, because they don't know what to say, they often say the wrong thing or they just don't say anything. Okay, and sometimes not saying anything can be hurtful, but sometimes it can be helpful. But then also I believe that people have the best intentions in mind. Because I'm an optimist. I'd like to think that people have the best intentions in heart. But that being said is these are statements that are very hard to take if we talk to and we say these things to people in grief. And I would encourage you not to say these things. You have to move on with your life. It's been this blank number of years already. He or she's in a better place. Even if the person is a believer, he or she is in a better place is not something good to say. I understand the heart behind what's being said. I'm going to unpack this for you, why these common things that we are said, I think, sometimes are hurtful rather than helpful. And I am sorry to those of you that have experienced that, like myself, have ever been told, just get over it. I am genuinely sorry if you've ever heard those words spoken to you. I just shared about my dad who died over 30 years ago, and I feel emotional just sharing with you the story. And I can tell you many different times when these things come at very unexpected and unopportune times. When you love somebody, when we're talking about physical loss, when you love somebody, it should hurt. And the reason why is because it shows that you love deeply. If you love them deeply, your grief will be deep. Let me say that again. If you love deeply, your grief will be deep. 
If you are married to your spouse, for example, for 30 plus years, and then all of a sudden lose them, especially unexpectedly, it's going to hurt. But I would ask you the question, would you trade 30 plus years of marriage with all the memories and good times and the bad for the matter that you have to relive this pain at different times and this pain that feels so acute that you might be experiencing now? I have now been married to my wife for 17 years, and I can tell you right now, if she was by, I would hope not. So if she was to die today, I would still walk down that aisle. I would not trade the 17 years of joy, the pain, the heartaches, the good times, the bad times that we've shared for the acute pain that I would feel by her not being present with me. I couldn't imagine life without her and what my, how my life has been enriched since she has come into it. I want to camp out here for a moment and I want to talk about, I want to make a few very strong statements in regards to death, talking about physical death and talking about grief. Please hear me. Ladies and gentlemen, death is never good. Never. It's never a good thing. Think about this for a moment. Death in Scripture is an enemy that Jesus has to defeat. And even though Jesus defeats the enemy, it's an enemy nevertheless. And those of you who have been Christians for a long time and who know your Bible, when did death come onto the scene? Death came onto the scene, physical death, because of sin. It came into this world, into this picture, like a cancer that leeches onto and sucks life out. It's something that was not meant to be there. It's not something that was the ideal. It was, Eden was perfect. And then death comes onto the scene as a result of sin. So every time we lose a person, physically speaking, to death, is because it reminds me acutely of the reality of sin. It doesn't mean that that person specifically sinned that caused them to die. But we're all sinners in that way. But it's a result of sin. So it's not good. What is good is a good God. What is good is that our God overcame death. What is good is that he's the first fruits of resurrection. What is good is that he overcame death as an enemy, and now because of his resurrection, you and I can be resurrected. What is good is that he prepares a place for us so that where he is that we may be. All of those things are good. They're good, but they're good in light, in light of a reality that should have never been. Just because Jesus defeated death does not in some way make it good. Even if a person is a believer and they die, Scripture tells us that we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we still grieve. It doesn't say not to grieve. There is a time for weeping. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time for laughter. There's a time and season for all of that. Death is never good. One of the things that I hear a lot of times when I do funerals, especially when we're talking about funerals for a believer, we're like, we call it a celebration of life. We, you know, we do our best to put on a good face. 
and we celebrate, we may even clap, we may laugh. Not that those things are bad at a funeral. I do think that there's some underlying things sometimes behind it that we are not really realizing what has taken place. Just because a person to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord because of that hope that we have in Jesus does not, does not mitigate nor subtract the pain and the acute reality of their loss. Because death is not good. But thankfully, we have a good God who's overcome death. The same could be said if you're talking about not only the physical loss, but if you lost a dream job and been working for a company or you owned your own business for 20 plus years, <clears throat> would you trade all of those good years just so you wouldn't have to go through the grief of loss of what you're experiencing at this time? Sometimes we grieve the loss of what we never experienced. Maybe you never had a real relationship with a parent and they died and there's some natural grief that's there because you wish that you could have had that relationship that somebody else had with their dad, with their mom. We could take the loss in many different ways and we grieve in many different ways. The point Solomon is trying to make here and the point I'm trying to make is that there are various seasons in life just like there are seasons in nature. Grief is something that comes and goes in waves and anyone who has gone through deep grief will tell you there are good days and bad days. Sometimes things are good for a while and then all of a sudden something triggers and then it could be a season of grief for, a, for an extended period of time. But here's something that we should be encouraged by. Seasons do pass. They come around again, but seasons do pass. We can't always live in the sun, the sun of summer, but winter is not forever. You and I cannot always live at the highest of high mountaintops. But even the pain that we experience now, it is not always forever. As a matter of fact, we have the promise that... God will make everything right. That's an eternal hope that we have as well, that he will make everything right. I want you to catch the words of Solomon. He didn't say that even though there is a time to weep and a time to mourn and a time to laugh and a time to dance, he did say there is a time for joy. There is a time to laugh and dance. Sometimes I've, when I've counseled people who have experienced grief, is there is this kind of um, unspoken kind of feeling that they feel bad if they laugh again. They feel bad if they experience a sense of joy because somehow is it going to dishonor the memory, especially of a loved one that has passed on. They may feel like they can't be happy again. But there will be days enduring grief when you will laugh and cry even in the same day. It does not dishonor the memory of the one that has passed on from this life for you to laugh and to have joy again. It does not dishonor their memory. As a matter of fact, I'm sure that they would be happy for you to be able to experience that again. But there will be days when you will laugh and cry on the same day. Emotions can swing just in an instant. But for believers, we are promised that our joy will be restored in Jesus and that he is the source of our joy, our strength, and our hope. Secondly, I want you to see that God grieves with us. God grieves with us. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, this famous passage which talks about the suffering servant, talking about Jesus. In one portion of uh, Isaiah 53, in verse 3, it describes Jesus this, as a man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief. 
You realize that you and I grieve because we are created in the image of God. The Bible talks about how our sin sometimes grieves God. It even talks about the ability for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we express that emotion in a way that God has created us to. God has created us with the capacity to love, so he's also created us with the capacity to be hurt by things that are unloving and also with the capacity to experience what it means to lose love in that way or to feel a loss of love, all right? Here Jesus is said to be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we are created in that very same image. Imagine how unbearable it would be for you and me if God just did not care about it. It's one thing for God to care about something. It's another thing for God to experience the thing you experience. Jesus, in his humanity, not only knew of grief, he experienced grief. I don't know about you, but that brings comfort to my soul. That not only does my God actually care about it, but he's experienced it and knows what that pain is to experience in himself. He knows it intimately. There's a difference that goes beyond the realm of sympathy and empathy. Sympathy means to have compassion for someone's situation and providing them comfort. You realize that this situation is not something good for them, so you want to go ahead and provide them comfort. Empathy is something different. Empathy is understanding what others are feeling because you have yourself experienced it, and you are able to actually put yourself in their shoes. So empathy goes to the next level. And here's the thing about Jesus. We don't just have a sympathetic God, we have an empathetic God. We have a God who does, doesn't know from the practical level and know intellectually speaking, but he has experienced himself in his own body, grief. Just like you and I. John records for us in John chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, records the raising of Lazarus, who is a friend of Jesus. But before he was raised, Jesus experienced grief at his loss of his friend, even to the point that everybody else recognized and said, man, he really cared for this guy. John eleven thirty three. when Jesus saw, when, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Shortest, shortest Bible verse in the whole entire Bible. Jesus wept. What did he wait for? He wept because his friend died. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. Even the people present recognized the depth of love that Jesus had, had for Lazarus. He wasn't faking it. This is why, as a believer in Christ, I truly believe that everything we go through in life is not just for ourselves, because God can use our story of grief for his glory when we share that story and hope with others as well. When we share it together. That's actually going to be the last thing we talk about, how we share grief in community. But it's the natural tendency that when we are grieving that somehow God does not care, nor is he near to us. And nothing can be further from the truth. Psalm 147.3, one of my favorite verses. Listen to this, Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. We must realize that what we feel when we feel grief sometimes is real and sometimes is not always real. 
uh, when we feel this and we experience that and we equate that to God. That's what I meant. We equate that to God. Well, okay, I'm experiencing encountering this grief right now. God, does that mean that you really care? God, does that mean that you really love? God, does that mean that you're really up there? Am I just throwing prayers up to the ceiling? Do you, are, you, do you, are you even listening to me at this point? Even though we may not feel like God is with us, we have to believe that he is and that he is real. And that God cares and knows about your grief. Scripture even says that he keeps all of our tears. Now, I don't think he physically keeps them in a bottle. I think it's an illustration. But the point being is that God knows every tear that you have ever cried. God knows every hair on your head. God knows you intimately and personally. He knows the things that have hurt your soul. He knows the losses that you have experienced. He knows the love that you have loved for others. Our God knows and cares about your grief. It's not a burden to him. God isn't going to say, stop bringing it up to me. God isn't going to say, get over it. God isn't going to say, I don't want to hear it anymore. Because he knows and cares about your grief. Lastly, we grieve in community. Romans 12. We grieve in community. Romans 12. Romans 12, 15 says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is essentially building toward the end of the book, and Paul is encouraging a practical outworking of faith to the church in Rome when he pens these words. And we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Grief is not meant to be experienced alone. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> If we try to experience grief alone, and here's the thing that the enemy would love to do. The enemy would love to help bring you into isolation. The enemy would love to say that God really doesn't care about your grief. God didn't listen to your prayer when you prayed that so-and-so would get healed. They still died anyway. And so he's going to say all these things to you and want to put you in isolation for you to somehow experience the totality, this massive tidal wave of grief all on your own. And grief is never meant to be experienced alone. As a matter of fact, if we don't experience it in community, especially as the people of God, then we have missed one of God's greatest agents for healing, that is the church. As imperfectly as we do it at times, God has relationally connected the church, the people of God, to be a healing balm to one another, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, for us to be a collective community together where we can love one another well in the midst of pain. In Christ, we are to experience the highs and lows of life together. That is truly what it means to do life together. God created you and I as, worship, as relational beings, so we rejoice together and we weep together. Think about this. I'm going to give you an illustration that we're going to summarize and close. So when a community is hit by a tragedy, think about a physical community, whether it's a city, either, even an ethnic community. When a community is hit by a tragedy, there's often a communal grief that is experienced together. And how do people experience grief together communally and come around one another? Well, they may set up a prayer vigil. So you see people lighting candles, praying together, doing all that kind of stuff, that somehow this tragedy galvanizes the community and brings them together. People set up memorials, right? You see memorials set up. 
Maybe they set up a memorial fund because maybe somebody was tragically lost because of a health issue. Maybe it's a, a fund to, 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 uh, to fund maybe more research in that. Or maybe it's something that somebody's life was tragically taken from them. So they set up a memorial scholarship fund, something of that nature. They set up some type of memorial. And every Sunday as you walk into this church, you see a memorial. Did you know that? Every Sunday as you walk into this church, you see a flagpole. Some of you may not even realize why it's there. You see a flagpole and you think, okay, that's cool, church has a flagpole. That's not unusual for a church to have a flagpole. I would encourage you to look at the base of that flagpole. Look at that flagpole and you'll see why it's there. This church together as a community grieved with the Ferran family over the loss of our dear brother Tad. The church rallied behind this dear family and every Sunday when I walk in, I see that flagpole in honor of Tad Ferran, I am reminded of that great man. And so I look at that flagpole and I experience two feelings at the same time. I experience great joy in the reality of getting to know him and I also experience the sense of loss in the fact that he's not present with us any longer. And I hold both of those in tension. But then I also feel a third thing and that third thing is the hope that I can't wait to see him again in glory. But I walk by a memorial every single Sunday that a church came around, a family that they loved to support them to be able to show them how much that they truly are loved in a time of grief. Communities also come together to bring meals to family, doing meal trains and things of that nature when there's tragedy or there's grief. Uh, you see even the, even the attendance at a person's funeral service is grief together in community. When you're sharing stories with the family, to encourage them of how that person affected and impacted your life. Those things are really helpful. And then we have things like support groups like Grief Share that exist together to help uh, communities grieve together. Let's summarize this for you. So our one true statement was that grief exists because love exists. You can't have one without the other. If God has given us the capacity and free choice to be able to love, then experience the loss of that love and that loss, that deep-seated loss, whether it's a person, whether it's something that we loved and held dear, we'll experience grief when it comes to that as well. But I don't know about you, I couldn't imagine a world that had grief without love. We can't even imagine what that would be like. I want this world to be filled with love. If I want this world to be filled with love, that means that there will be hurt as well. Grief is natural. Grief is natural. There's no unspecified time for grief, but there's also time for joy. Grief is like a season which doesn't last forever, but sometimes it comes back around. It's something that we don't get over, but we go through. We saw that God grieves with us. Jesus is not merely a sympathetic God, but an empathetic God. Jesus experienced grief just like you and me. And we grieve together in community. We're never meant to grieve alone. The church is an instrument that God created to help be a support system, so we need to connect with others. So how can we put this into practice? Number one is we need to connect with God and others. So right now, if you are here today and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with grief and I need comfort, I would say to you first and foremost, tell God about your grief. It doesn't matter how long it's been, there is no timetable on it, tell them about your grief. But then also, share with others. Allow brothers, sisters in Jesus, 
allow a community to be able to come around you and to love you and to support you in the midst of your trouble and your grief. Secondly is be a comfort to someone in need. You may say right now, Pastor, right now I'm doing good. I'm not struggling with grief and praise God for that. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves have been comforted by God. So be a comfort to somebody. I'll tell you right now, there's no shortage of hurting people you're going to see this holiday season. Be a source of comfort for them. Pick up, a call, pick up a phone and give them a phone call on the anniversary of the death of a loved one. Send a letter. Send a text message. Go, in and go ahead and go visit them. Bring somebody a meal. Be a source of comfort for someone in need today. And lastly, let me share this with you. Grief Share is a great ministry. And Grief Share is, there's many different ways you can get connected to Grief Share. It's specific to those who are dealing with loss, the loss of a loved one. And if you've never gone through Grief Share, Jen and I led Grief Share for many, many years. We love the ministry. So it's a tremendous grief support help group. There are many different ways that you can get connected to this ministry. Number one is I would encourage you to visit griefshare.org. That's the website. On the website, there's a way for you to sign up for a daily encouragement email. That's the easiest place. Sign up for an email. You'll receive an encouragement email that gives you some different steps and some encouraging word in a devotional that will help you through as you process through grief. Secondly is you can also find a local grief share group through that. Just pop in your zip code. There's many different groups in this area that are going on at all different times. Firewall has traditionally hosted grief share as well. We're doing the surviving the holidays, which I want to talk to you about. Uh, we're not doing the full grief share at this moment. But if you want to go through the whole program, then uh, you can find a support group there. Surviving the holidays is kind of like a shot in the arm. It is purposely a special seminar, a two-hour seminar, to help you cope with the holiday season because grief is definitely very acute during the holiday season, especially as it relates to the loss of a loved one. So we are hosting uh, Surviving the Holidays on December 13th from 7 to 9 p.m. So if you're interested in finding out more information, see Keegan or see Sean Smith, who's going to be leading that. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up and be able to take advantage of that, okay? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. We're going to just have an opportunity to be able to pray and have an opportunity to worship. <clears throat> this is heavy stuff, right? But at the end of the day, one of the ways we can love each other well is to also pray for one another. And so we want to have the opportunity to be able to do that. So if you have... Specifically, if this message has resonated with you and you are experiencing grief at this time and you'd like somebody to pray with you, please allow us the opportunity to do that. This is also an opportunity for you for any specific needs that you have for prayer. We want to pray for you. So if that's physical health, if, that's, if you want to receive Jesus today, my heart would be grieved if you don't know that there is a God who loves you today and wants to know you and have a relationship with you. If you want to receive Christ today, then we'd love to pray with you about that as well. So as we take the opportunity to worship, we are going to take the opportunity to pray as well. So guys, if we can come up and we get going and worship, I'm going to ask you all, if you want to stand, you can stand or you could be seated. 
Remember, this is not spectator time. This is a time for us to be able to engage with God. And so I would encourage you just to worship along with the worship team. And even where you're at, to be able to pray, bring your needs to God right now. And uh, let's just go ahead and let's get at it. Let's get with Jesus. The altar is open if you guys want prayer.
ushers as they'll come forward and we're going to worship the Lord through giving right now. There are many different ways you can give at Firewheel. If you'd like to give via text, the information will be behind me. You can also give online. You can give through our church app. All of these different ways are ways in which we worship and we can worship through giving. Remember, God doesn't need our money, but money is a tool that we can utilize for ministry. Uh, and God has always made it where the people of God provide for the work of God. And so I know many of you consider the end of year uh, as far as under year giving. And so we believe that you sow in good seed here at Firewheel. And um, thank you as you worship in that way. So I'm just going to quickly pray over the offering. And as the ushers pass the baskets, then Keegan will give us a few announcements. So Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to worship through giving. Lord, we know that you are the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And Lord, that you are our provider for all things. Lord, you provide for this church collectively and for each individual personally. And Lord, I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Cause it to multiply, Lord, that we may be able to use it for your glory and for your goodness. That your name may be known in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, great message. Gives a whole new meaning to the term good grief. <laughs> uh, moving forward, uh, ladies, y'all are having your Christmas December brunchathon Love Rocks thing on December 17th at 10 a.m. Uh, so if you'd like to attend that, uh, go online. You can see more information about that. Uh, moving forward to Christmas Eve, uh, we will be having our service at 1 p.m. That is 1 p.m. We are not having it in the evening. We are having it at 1 p.m. So set your clocks and calendars accordingly for that. And then Christmas Day, because this uh, year Christmas is on Sunday, 
we will be having a service at 9.30. So once again, Christmas Eve at 1 p.m. and then Christmas Day at 9.30. Last but not least, some of you may or may not know this, but ever since about 2002, Firewheel has had a website. Now the cool thing about this website is that you can go to it to get all kinds of information for events, uh, how to give, how to volunteer. We also have these nifty difty calendars that are printed up and give you kind of a little forecast of what's coming up ahead, and these can be found in the lobby. So if you need any information on events or anything pertaining to Firewheel, you've got a website, you've got printouts, you've got me, you've got a whole lot of resources. So remember that next time you ask, when is this happening? That's all I have. Thank you. Oh, yes, also, Chris, who is an amazing worship director, by the way. Let's give him a round of applause, huh? (laughs) Recently clean-shaven. Big, big decision, but we support them. Um, there is no choir practice uh, after church today for Christmas Eve. So, thank you. All right. If we can get you all to stand, we'll go ahead and say our benediction. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't leave the platform well, so I might not be able to get back up here. Whew, that, took, that took a lot out. So, may the Lord go before you to light the path and give you direction. May he go behind you to guide your steps. May he go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May he go above you to protect you. May he go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant you character that is greater than your gifts and humility that is greater than your influence. God bless you guys. Love you all so much. If you haven't got a devotional, come see me to grab one. You are dismissed. See you.